I'm James Stewart. You're listening to Timeline. This is the seventh of our 10-part series about Julius Eastman, a composer whose work has been experiencing a renaissance lately as a new generation is discovering his individual musical style. He wrote these pieces that I kind of call proto-minimals because they were very different than what Glass and, and you know those his contemporaries were doing at the time. This is John Kalaki, the author of a recent article about Eastman. But he also decided to name these things in very provocative titles. In Eastman's case, he was always being consistently provocative in a very strategic way. That's Richard Valetudo, the pianist and keyboardist for Wild Up, a new music ensemble currently working on a seven-volume set of recordings dedicated to the music of Julius Eastman. There are these various arcs where there's like groups of pieces that are all kind of within a certain poetic trope. And there was that batch of pieces for a few years where things were like highly, highly um, charged with um, with racial and, and sexual identification markers. I'll jump in here to say that I'm uncomfortable even reading some of the titles Julius Eastman chose for his pieces. And that's the point. Eastman wasn't interested in comfort, which is evident in his use of the N-word and homophobic slurs. It sometimes caused controversy, like when he performed at Northwestern University in Illinois in 1981. I still had a recording of Julius's concert. That's the voice of Kyle Gann, a composer and the new music critic for The Village Voice in the 80s and 90s. He had played three of his multiple, multiple piano pieces, two of, them, two of which used the N-word in the title. And there was naturally some controversy about it. The uh, black fraternity was outraged. But even then, the stories he told in his music weren't all ugly. There's almost an inverse ratio of sort of provocative and beautiful. This is Mary Jane Leach, a composer, scholar, and longtime advocate of Eastman's music. Earlier on, he had kind of beautiful titles, but kind of provocative music. And then as he, as he progressed, he, he wrote beautiful music with provocative titles. The title and the music work in tandem to project a singular artistic vision. The titles were censored because of some protests from student groups and, and the administration ended up censoring his posters. And um, the compromise that they came to was that he would then speak about them. And so he came out and gave a little speech beforehand explaining his benign reasons for using the word. Uh, I want to say a few words uh, about the music. There was, a, there was a little problem with the titles of the piece. Uh, there, were, there were some students and uh, one faculty member uh, who felt that the titles were somehow derogatory in some manner. So here's Julius Eastman, this amazingly talented composer and performer who was boldly challenging classical and academic systems. He was forcing conversations of complex issues simply with the titles he chose. It seems that Eastman was more than just a musician. I think, I think he was a poet. I think he was um, a philosopher. This is composer and artist activist Daniel Bernard Romain, or DBR, who has worked with the music of Julius Eastman for years. And I think he had a real aspiration, frustration and aspiration. And, and I think the thing that we share in common is that our titles suggest um, a perspective, an opinion, a better world, um, a landscape. 
all titles have certain information. All titles. Uh, they, re they betray and reveal a certain privilege or um, posture. So even Sonata number one, you're saying something. All arts are political. All of them. All of the arts. Are, you know, Swan Lake, political. <laughs> you know, NC, political. I think what Julius um, Eastman has done is that it's, it's, I see these as challenge, that the titles challenge us, provide and provoke us, I would say to a deeper understanding, um, a kind of intimacy. Hopefully the piece delivers, you know. <laughs> and that's the challenge, to sit with the music and the titles and hold the tension of what Eastman is saying as an individual and as an artist. In our next episode, we'll look at how Eastman's personality affected not just his music, but his relationships with other composers. Stay with us and follow the timeline at vermontpublic.org slash timeline. <laughs>